Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Traveling Principal Podcast. I am your host, Joe Clossy, the traveling principal who practices social distancing and therefore doesn't physically travel very much these days. Virtually, however, I'm traveling all over the place. I'd like to shout out to some of my international viewers, um, and I'd like to travel across the pond in this episode to discuss a contemporary issue in education today. And it's a bit out of the ordinary, but it's also relevant to what's happening in education. So um, around the time of obviously some of the largest challenges that we're all facing, um, and it revolves around transportation. Transportation's role in all of this is tremendous uh, for schools and will certainly enable massive dictation on budgetary moves. We'll get into that because one of my listeners just sent an email and I'd like to address that. If you'd also like one of your current educational issues addressed on the show, please email me at thetravelingprincipal at gmail.com and I'll do what I can to help you. Um, I also want to get into what's happening with our new school. I have some cool updates there and I want to discuss what's happening with the actual school in the fall. I also want to brainstorm a bit with regards to what we may be able to do planning-wise with reopening in the fall, the session of brainstorming will be broken into two episodes. Um, as there's at least seven parts to talk about, most of which are the beginning points, uh, but they take up so much and I don't want to shortchange anyone because of my own fictitious time constraint for my episodes. Um, so I'll break this up into two parts. This episode uh, will be part one and then next obviously will be the conclusion. So let's get right into it. So first, the email request. The question addressed revolves around transportation and what to do for the smaller school district LEA that may not have their own buses or have them, but not enough to social distance on the way to school appropriately. Um, I can see how this would be an issue. I can see that 40 or 50 kids on a bus now is not possible in a COVID world. Um, not if we're social distancing. Right, so let, let's let's get that out of the way, right out, out the gate. We need to get into that right away in this episode. If you are planning on having kids on campus, do your part and be as safe as possible. You'll shut us down otherwise, or you'll at least shut down those around you if you don't. So we stagger which means block scheduling, trimesters, no semesters. But how many kids you have on campus really is dictated by how many you can safely get there at once, plus the amount of space at your school so you can safely plan to hold instruction while socially distancing students and staff. You can subfactor in college requirements and how to reach them, you can sub-factor in staffing and how to keep them safe as well. And you must sub-factor in how you are to clean 
your building and make it so if you have multiple sessions were used one day and needed to be cleaned before the next somehow type situation. All of this is accounted for when planning for the fall. And if you're talking about transportation and you don't own buses, you need to figure out how many you can put on a bus at once, multiplied by the amount of seats that gives you in your entire fleet then available. Take that number, if it's 15 per bus, and if you have 10 buses, then you can get 150 kids to school at once like this. If you have a school of 600, that's great. But since that's most likely not the case, herein lies our problem and root of the email. So if you had 600 kids, you can have a grade a day and call it square. That would mean kids get one day of instruction a week on campus and then have virtual instruction to supplement that. So there's my awesome, perfect world, ideal situation answer. If your school is much bigger, then you should be able to employ a fleet. Um, let's entertain something else here. What about employing a fleet of Uber drivers where the school district uses funds to purchase cars that the parents can drive and work during the day driving for the school district in this regard. Let that soak in. We can create jobs with this. We can get the cars from the companies that are folding or possibly selling fleets cheaply. Can the school district pull something like that off? Can the school district play that type of a role in the community? Can the school district invest in the bikes for those who maybe live that close? Then that would be less to pick up, lowering your demand and perhaps possibly helping with those numbers in that regard as well. Maybe you can do both. Maybe you could just get a, a bunch of Uber cars from like a, a, a specific area that you can't pick up. It makes busing, bus stops complicated. You can reroute, reroute those buses. How can you make both Uber cars, buses, and bikes all work together? Is that possible? Perhaps investing in cars from local businesses, employing parents as drivers. I don't know. Therefore, providing transportation to and from school safely. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just thinking about this. And investing in some sort of bike program for those in the community. Why wouldn't you at least explore these options? What is your neighborhood like? How can the infrastructure maybe change? I mean, we're talking about huge change here. I do not think this is temporary. I have to say that as well. Now, the real world answer, you gotta survey your population and find out who needs a ride in the fall. Some parents were finding out with this method will drive their kids to school in the fall. These lessons are, are interesting for us to learn. And this lessens the demand for busing, of course, and assists. It's another way to exactly predict 
what you'll need and that may enable future creativity here that could get you through this safely and without breaking the bank completely. What's your budget and what do you have now for transportation? Right? I have four buses. They come once in the morning, drop off in the afternoon. They have five stops or so on each and we pay 140k for that. Soak that in for a second. This is public knowledge. My school is a 501c3 and our budget is public knowledge and available on our school's website. So I'm not spilling the beans here. We've been paying for four buses um, and it's more than I ever imagined busing to cost. Now, that said, our bus company is saying that they're not social distancing at all. They said they can't and so they're not. They're not even going to try. So I'm back to figuring out how to get my kids to school. If I was to buy one of those buses that are smaller with less seats, right, like a half bus, cost 60000 new. A new long yellow bus anywhere, you know, obviously above. Getting them used comes with constant repair and maintenance, so you're always paying for that. Looking into a few small vans or passenger vehicles that may be able to make short trips locally or to a section that would show a need for it, right? So now let's let's kind of let's kind of keep going there. And that may play a role somehow, right? Before we get into entertaining multiple avenues. Let's focus on that for a second. Can you get some sort of a vehicle that's like one of those vans and target areas? Once again, you need, to, you need the statistics. You need the data. You need to know where people live. You need to know where people need pickups. Generate areas where you could maybe offset what your busing would include. I mean, if you eliminate three or four stops from a bus trip, that's almost a whole bus route. Right? Think about that for a second. So, I, I think you may need to entertain multiple avenues to get kids to school safely with the, any sort of economic sense of the dollar spent since all prices are jacked up way too high right now. The business of education is slowly shifting from mandated testing and curriculum to transportation and environment planning. Perhaps if communities wanted to plan for this in a way that was beneficial to all of our futures of this planet, they would consider the infrastructure that adheres to living in a socially distant environment for a long period of time. Years, folks. Years. However, getting kids to school safely should be something that the bus company can also share the responsibility for. Perhaps if the school were to offset some of the cost of what would need to happen to vehicles to make them safer travel, and this is FEMA grant money or COVID grant money, this is money well spent. Can you acquire your own fleet, quote unquote, right? What would that fleet look like? How can you employ your community? What does that cost look like? How many companies are you working with for transportation? How can you find new ones? 
Here's a good question for you to consider. What are others doing in your neighborhood? And how can that maybe assist? Think of all the other schools out there that are in the same situation. Maybe you guys can share routes. Maybe you guys can share contracts. Maybe you guys can share the cost of vans and Uber cars and those wild different ideas out the gate here. Please don't just skip the fact that getting them there is a big part of this whole reopening schools thing. I told everyone about masks and look how that turned out. I told everyone we'd close down and we did. I told everyone we'd go virtual for a year and we did. I told everyone we'd most likely stagger in the fall at best and we will and now throw the mask thing in there and I'm getting tired of being right about all this, you guys. However, it should lend itself to at least your pause and reflection. When they are there at your school, what will your classrooms look like? How many desks are you gonna have in your rooms? What are you gonna do with all the excess desks? Think about that. How many teachers do you have and what will their teaching time look like with your new schedule that is based on an amount of kids that you can get to your school safe? Let a parent say to you that they are unhappy that their kid can only go one day of instruction on campus due to safe transport and my response would be to hire them as a driver and help them solve the problem instead of just complaining about it. Let a parent complain about this problem and respond by asking if they can drive their kid to school then. That's one less for you to get there. Ask parents to petition the bus company to do the right thing or not charge so much or help with finding a grant for you to buy your own vehicles. What money can you find to offset this cost, you guys? There's always money out there. So, we entertained a subset of Uber at my site which vetted their drivers like bus companies do and offered Uber-like transportation at a rate that was more than a bus. But it did provide statistics which I think we'll all have to play at some point here. Right now, adding a cost like ensuring health and safety from COVID daily is not something schools are doing. So we're social distancing, hopefully, in extreme ways and ways we can afford. I know a surrounding district is going to 90-minute periods. This will get them less traffic in the halls because it's less periods per day. Same kids on campus somehow. Not sure how they're getting them there. Not sure if they're on trimesters, but it looks like it. I know some schools are just having kids go back and that scares me completely. So I hope I helped to at least get the ball rolling for you and your school site a little in this process. I hope I was able to get you guys thinking about your neighborhood infrastructure and what part your school can play in the community to solve this problem with community members using the community as the solution. Schools need to think about this, man. Schools need to use this time to try that out for size as we are going to 
with moves like this redefine what schools mean to the communities? And why not? Have you expressed this issue to the school community? The entire world is in this. And so the community shares your similar problems. Perhaps a solution to the school one will be something more widely used than you think. How much can you afford? How much would you le it would would like leasing cost? How much would used vehicles cost? Can you get 10 passenger vehicles? Can you guys like build bikes? Can you guys find money to pay for things such as grants? Did you apply for any FEMA money and can that be used? What Uber-like companies are in your area and why not now start one if there's not? At least begin by polling your audience and finding out your demand for travel in the COVID world that we live in now, as you'd be surprised as to the, what that number looks like and how that's different from what it may have been otherwise, right? So again, if you have more questions for me regarding education, I can address them on this podcast and I can even go more detailed with assistance um, in definitions to achieve successes for you and your school. Check me out at www.thetravelingprincipal.com for more information. So let's flip the switch a bit. I want to talk about changing schools around in the fall for when we reopen. Let's consider some categories to organize our thinking, right? So number one, transportation, which we sort of already got into, and we will revisit. Number two, campus setting. We briefly mentioned the relationship that this has as a result of the amount of kids you will have on campus based on the way you get them there, plus the safety of the staff as well. How often are kids there? Number three, versus what instruction will look like. Let me say that one again. Number three, how often are kids there versus what instruction will look like? I can even say that this one may consume us a bit as it's the biggest one that parents and families will be impacted by and covers up completely number one and number two. Families want their kids out of the house every day. Let's face it, man. Category number three includes how many days and hours per those days kids will be on campus and what additional instruction will then look like um, will be made apparent. And because this is likely not going to be 100% on campus every day for every kid all day long, like it was, we start at a disadvantage with number three. Yay. Number four, what will requirements be for students? Number five, communication. What will comms look like and how often? And when do you start this like media blitz? Number six, training for staff especially, but for students, families, everybody involved. How will you get them up to speed? Okay. And how quickly you do this will determine successes tremendously and shorten your transition when for most will create a gap. Number seven, define the daily routine. What do we do? When students get there, what do we do when we have to respond to something negative health-wise? What are staff contracts looking like for this year coming up? And so 
These are heavy weighted categories, seven of them. And let's start with those seven and find more as we go, I'm sure. Number one, transportation. Yay. How will you get them there safely? If you're not worried about that for some reason, then go to the next one. If you're a leader who knows this job revolves around the safety of those you are responsible for more so than the quality of the education that you can provide for them, you are worried about transportation. If you own a fleet, your Department of Transportation can rotate pickups with putting the amount of buses um, out there with those on the bus that you're comfortable with. If you do not, or your fleet can't meet the demand of safe transport, then how can you supplement this? What grants are available? What companies that are out there in your neighborhoods can help provide at this time? Which, you know, we're only giving back. Since we keep screwing up how to get out of this, school will be this way for at least this year coming up. Barring that miracle, and I'm getting tired of saying it, plan to get your kids to school safely somehow, you guys. Or why wear a mask when they even get there? You're going to pack 50 on a bus and then mandate kids wear a mask as soon as they walk through your campus. What kind of sense does that make? And so I know we spoke a lot about transportation on this episode, so um, I, I don't want to continue to beat it down. So let's go on to the second one. Um, just ponder that last question intensely, school leaders, district leaders especially. Number two, campus setting. What will your classrooms look like? Mine had 30 desks or enough tables and shapes around the room to sit 30 kids, 30 computers around the room, 30 workstations in the area in the shops. That number is now 12 to 15. How can you take each room and have classes in them with a safe amount of kids in each? If I have 13 classrooms with 30 in them all day, that's the entire school. I don't have all of them occupied each period of the day. But if I took that setting and cut it in half, I mean 15 per room, that means I have around 200 kids on campus per day. If I have 300 kids in my school, I can have around 130 of them safely, right? That's half. It's working out to be a little less than half, I guess, of the population on campus will work. Let's create a rating, however, and let's attach a numerical uh, score onto each category. Let's assess it using multiple measures, such as plausibility, cost, input, and the time in this process. Let's give options, grades, and rate them, and use the highest scoring ones overall. Statistics show that outside environments are safest. So how much learning can be done outside of your campus? In mine, we're working on an amphitheater we have an outside cafeteria already, which is picnic tables that need repair, but also sit 80 easily. I could social distance with four at a table or two at a table, maybe back to either two different work areas or one giant one with 40 seats possible. Maybe I can make another area 
my makerspace outside my classroom will hold 30 in two classes. I can maybe divide up adjacent room space so project-based learning will be possible with 30 kids in each pathway at once. Each CTE classroom, I don't know, may get an additional classroom. I may expand as much as possible into the other adjacent rooms and those teachers may share workspace then as their rooms are studios really for virtual production and their on-campus workspace for demonstrations and sessions are common areas outside. So what outside workspaces are ready currently for this? None. <laughs> like I said, I explained what I have now. So I'm working with a team of staff to design what we need right now. I'm also working with students to begin building. Let me ask this. Why not have kids come in July and work on the campus like we do in the regular year and count that as school? Why not? I'm thinking all of July. You know, that'll be work on campus, modifying our workspace for whatever return looks like in the fall. What will new office spaces look like and how can you modify them? We've learned in our studies that you can't modify workspaces for students and jam them all into the same room still. The same would be for staff. Or create ventilation somehow. What number of kids per room or workspace can you have at once safely? Then transport that number as best as possible, right? Let's break it down into its simplest combination of number one and number two and that leads us directly into the third part number three which is how often are kids there versus what instruction will look like then so at this point we know how many kids we can put on campus safely and hopefully we can transport them all with i don't know at least a reasonable cost as well in a situation that is safe and possible now, since that number is not 100% of the students you have enrolled and more like 50 to 60% of them are able to be there at once, you need to think now, how often will those kids be in school each week? Anyone who thinks kids are going every day and all aspects of their environment will be safe is wrong. That is just not possible in most schools. Anyone who sells you that it is is not safely getting kids to school or everyone gets a ride every day. And so you can maybe have staggered kids in two sessions every day morning and every day afternoon. However, let's face it, kids are not physically going to most campuses. If they're not getting there and maintaining any sort of safety protocol every day, it's just not happening. Now, what if they went twice a week I mean, what if it was once a week? I'm sure, this is what parents fear most, but that's a, a, a brief reality. Can core virtual learning on off-campus days scaffold enough to engage students to find successes with that combination? I mean, the reason why this number three is categorized as versus each other is because based on the amount of time students are on campus accomplishing project-based learning, they will also have session type instruction. 
where teachers will be modeling and tutoring and working with groups or conducting demonstrations. Think of it as a lab for subjects. And learning if flipped, where a lot of the newness of it comes from being done at home. Now, learning needs to be redefined. Not so much teaching here, but learning. I found as a parent that when my kid was learning something, they were also engaged. When they were not, either my wife or I interjected persistently and on account of not being able to do what we were doing, which was working. Perhaps that time that kids are on campus is optional, and if they can get their own transportation, then they can come and go as they please. Do they have to be there for the entire day? No. Can they be there in the afternoon session as much as they want, which is maybe every day of the week then? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. And does this guarantee that we keep things safe, or, or is it not as safe? I, I, I don't know. Perhaps students will have the chance to go online and register for the session prior to even needing to come to school that day. Maybe that choice will be so available at home that they can come in for some assessments that are project-based learning objectives to be demonstrated. And that's how we show competency. This needs like a ton of front-loading. What about the parents that work and don't want to leave their kid at home all day? How do I help them? Well, my answer is simple in that it debates the following. I either social distance students with safe transport and then keep them safe and the staff safe at school, or I go back to being a glorified like babysitter for some families. And this is where I'm going to get real for a second. For a parent that says their kids should go to school every day so they can go to work, you're also saying that you need to go back to not playing a part in your child's education in that regard. This cannot be. This cannot remain. As a principal, you're now making your child my responsibility completely. And that needs to be a shared effort. Any supporting family member in that house must play an active role in their child's education, regardless of grade. And that, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't exist a lot in high school. From a parent's perspective, I'm stoked to have my kid gone every day, all day, without a babysitter fee. Right, here's another perspective for you. Any babysitting my wife and I have had over the course of the lifespan of my kids, we've paid for handsomely. So trust me, I'm stoked as ever to get them both out of the house. But now, I also understand the world is different. I understand that sacrifices must be made. And I see that some people need to go to work every day because they are essential, or whatever their case may be. Bottom line is, that needs to flex with our world's new norm. School is a place for kids to learn and interact, preparing them for life post the age they are old enough to be held accountable and are considered adults legally. School is not a place for kids to go so they are not at home. Why is that the responsibility of the principal to figure out how to raise everyone's kid then?
How did that become my fault? Am I supposed to not keep kids safe then? Is that my cost? America weighs business more than safety, obviously. So am I supposed to abide by that as well here? Also, where's the businesses out there? And what part will they play, huh? We can't just reopen them, obviously. We're on the brink of currently shutting them back down. We need guidance for them to reopen. And that should include a way to say that parents can work from home somehow, or hours can be flexible somehow, or school hours can be flexible, or transportation becomes safer, and somehow bus companies do the right thing and actually make safe, uh, safer busing. What about making parents a part of transportation by issuing them vehicles? Last question for the listeners out there. If virtual learning was amazing, like Ready Player One status, would you feel better about your kids being home? Because they'd be engaged the entire time learning. Do parents not want kids home because they know that they do nothing if they can? Maybe I'm onto something here. I don't know. But what I do know is there's a lot to consider. But no, for now, it's going to be up to school leaders. And so it goes. I'm going to pick up this question in my next episode, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm going to stop where we are now, um, and we will continue to the next part of this podcast. It's a lot longer than I'm usually rolling with you guys. Um, so we will roll out the remaining parts. We still have number four, five, six, seven to go. Um, so for more uh, from The Traveling Principle, my name is Joe Clausey. Please go to my website and check me out. Send me an email at thetravelingprinciple at gmail.com. Um, I can address your questions or issues uh, that you guys may be having. Um, again, folks, I'm just going to say this. Stay safe out there. Wear a mask, right? And really consider how are you getting your kids to school? If it's not safe, why bother? <laughs>